This is an ABC podcast. Yeah, nah. Oh, can you just thank you, your hearing? Can you just give me your beautiful name again? I'm so sorry, Sean. Thank you so much, Sean. Much appreciated. Cheers. Memory is, like in a, a lot of parts of life, something for me I've taken for granted. Being able to look at things and remember things and to be able to access those moments and names. The joy of Olympics and Paralympic Games and Commonwealth Games and the like. When suddenly that's taken away, there was part of me thinking, what is happening to me? I've just been sent via text message four colour photos. I I know that they're four outstanding Australian athletes. This has been with the questioning of, can I just identify them? That sounds a very simple thing to do when your life in work is all about sport. I I just, it makes me feel embarrassed because out of these four photos, I recognise them all. I know the sports. I just can't tell you their names. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These. You know that feeling when you can't quite remember a word or you're searching for someone's name? Those moments when you can feel your brain fumbling around in the dark. And they're just moments, right? The word comes to you eventually, the name pops up. But what if that became your permanent state of being? That's what happened to ABC sports broadcaster Karen Tai after she contracted encephalitis, an inflammation of the brain caused by a viral infection. Reporter James Viver brings us the story of how this condition changed the way that Karen's brain worked, but also how she understood who she was. ABC Grandstand Across Australia with Karen Tai. And a big good afternoon wherever you are from our Grandstand studio. If you've listened to cricket on ABC Radio during an Aussie summer, then you've heard Karen Tai. What an afternoon of cricket. A huge thanks to all of our commentary team. Being in the moment on air is exhilarating. Listeners will know one of my favourite parts of any weekend grandstand is to take you around the grounds. It gives me such great joy. She's the consummate broadcaster with a career's worth of experience and knowledge to rely on. If it's sport, Karen's covered it. Which team will the Scorchers take on? We will find that out. I started feeling a little strange. This is at the end of February 2020. So in terms of Work-wise, we were getting into the last month or so of our national summer grandstand. Which is the second place Melbourne Renegades to take on the winner of that I just woke up and I felt just a little strange. I was still fine. It wasn't nauseous, but I just couldn't eat. And I remember just feeling exhausted then and I thought something's just not quite right. I've just got to go and lie down. I'm not feeling 100%. 
And so that Sunday, sort of late afternoon, in bed, I was there till Wednesday. Karen's husband, Glenn, was really worried. Wasn't like her at all. So he rang for a doctor. Apparently, and I don't remember this, he asked some questions and I couldn't give him the answer. Things like my date of birth, I think it was, and my address. Just some very simple questions. And I have flashing memories of him bedside, but essentially saying to my husband, we need to get Karen to the hospital. From that moment on, I've got no memory. In hospital, I had really no idea what was going on. And thinking, gosh, am I okay? And just lying in the hospital bed. Karen had encephalitis, caused by the same virus that gives you cold sores. But for roughly one in 200,000, the infection goes to your brain instead of your mouth. And it can be fatal. The inflammation caused on the brain affects the way it functions. And for Karen, her brain shut her memory down, switched it off. If you had asked me, what have you been diagnosed with? I couldn't even tell you. I knew it was something to do with my brain, but really, that that's a blank space, so I don't remember any of the testing. My husband, Glenn, for instance, says, well, Karen, you know, I leant over to give you a kiss on your forehead, and I put my hand up and I said, who are you? And I, I didn't know his name, and I, I didn't know we had a son. Um... I sometimes think if I didn't get to go into hospital when I did. Doctors got the infection under control. And after 10 days in hospital, Karen was just well enough to go home, though under close medical supervision. A nurse will come every day to... Um, to give you some more medication. I can't think of the right word even now where it's it's there and injected into your arm and they came and filled it up every day. Coming home, I didn't have any follow-up information about encephalitis and I felt so very, very alone. I just had no understanding. I had daily nausea that would just come and go, come and go and... It, that was a real struggle. Losing a lot of weight. I, I lost eight kilos or so. I just lost hair on a daily basis. I just hardly wanted to touch my hair because it was just falling out. It was the weirdest of feelings to just be going home and sleeping and just... I hardly moved from my bed to the sofa... I just couldn't contemplate much else. I just started talking to myself a lot, especially when I was at home. I remember one day I was just speaking aloud as if I'm just talking to myself, saying, right, Karen, why don't we just do something like, okay, the, the floors need to be mopped. 
I'll go and get the vacuum cleaner just to, to vacuum over the floorboards and then I'll get the mop out. Now, I did the vacuum and then I got the mop out. I went down the hallway into the kitchen and then I just had to sit down and I was so exhausted. I was just staring at that mop in the bucket and it might have been about 10.30 in the morning and that was it for the rest of the day. In the months that followed, Karen endured the physical symptoms but her brain still wasn't working the way it used to. I've just got like a very little pantry area and I looked in and I saw these cans of different things and beans and so on. And I, I can still remember this, just thinking, what the hell would I have used that for? And I couldn't even think of one recipe. And that's the weirdest feeling. I, I just had no understanding of what these things were in the pantry. So many names are like locked behind a door in a part of my brain. I recognise people and I, I know that I know who they are, but it's like these names are behind a door that for some reason we can't knock down, we can't find the keys for. And it's even not just names, it's um, a lot of descriptive words. And sometimes it's not until you start talking in conversation more that you realise what you can't access. Karen felt like her brain was controlling and restricting who she was. Her sense of, well, Karen. Feeling that the real me was getting pushed into like just one small part of my head over my left eye where the initial infection had happened. It was just getting harder and harder because there was all this force that was making me scared. This sort of pressure from the rest of my brain onto what I felt is the real me. My brain was trying to uh, enforce anxiety and extreme fear of just being by myself. I was so scared of being uh, at home on my own. I would go to cafes just to be surrounded by people. And even though I was feeling nauseous, just to have a little sip of tea or coffee and a bit of toast. This is even in the daytime, let alone the nighttime. I remember sitting down in the house and I'm trying so hard to be brave. To even think about walking out down the street, even with someone else, when night had fallen. I thought, I'm never going to be able to walk outside in the night time again. Being the last person to go to bed, I could never do that for, for quite a while. I had to be the first one. To be the last person into bed just terrified me. I felt that my brain was really letting me down. I could feel the real me uh, above my left eye, but everything else I just couldn't understand. I just felt so angry with myself. I, it's just when you feel out of control and I just thought there's so much of me that would love to go back to work and just be a proper mum again and a wife. But ultimately, the doctors couldn't put an answer to my nausea, my loss of my hair, my absolute anxiety. 
Everything. Karen needed answers from her brain. Why was it doing this to her? When would it stop? So, she began to apply her journalistic research skills on herself, trying to learn more about encephalitis. But it wasn't easy. Sometimes Karen would sit at the computer to search stuff, only to find she couldn't remember the words she needed to type. Other times, she was just too tired to read and absorb any information. Although she didn't know it, what Karen needed was out there. Buried on an encephalitis website, she stumbled across a piece of writing called A Letter From Your Brain. And so this is from the brain and it says, Please don't be embarrassed or feel guilt or shame because of me. We are okay. We have made it this far. If you work with me, we can make it even further. I can't say how far. I can't say how far. I won't make any false promises. I can only promise you this, that I will do my best. Please go slowly when you start back trying to resume your life. If I give you a headache or make you sick to your stomach or make you unusually irritable or confused or disoriented or afraid, I'm trying to get your attention in the only way I can. Stop and listen to me. Love your wounded brain. I read, I reread, and it just gave me absolute relief. As sick as I was still feeling, as anxious as I was still feeling, that letter from your brain answered so many questions that the doctors at the time just couldn't. It just seemed to answer everything that I was feeling. I, I can't probably describe it well enough. The headaches, the being sick, being irritable, being disoriented, just being afraid. This is all my brain saying to me, don't push it. I know you want to be back being you and going back to work and all of that, but I've been really affected with this um, illness and I need your help to go step by step. You're actually with me. You're not fighting against me. I just sometimes I think I, I just close my eyes and think I just I'm so lucky I found that because <laughs> it just it gave me peace. It didn't solve everything straight away, but it made things make sense. That was a turning point. That was the start of, of uh, positive steps forward. In the year or so that followed, Karen's recovery edged slowly onward, and life creeped back towards some normality. With my husband, I was able to start doing some walking, which was just incredible. And I, I loved that, and I could deal with these waves of nausea that would just come and go. It was my son's birthday and my son, my husband and I, we went out to a restaurant and I was able to have a little sip of alcohol. Not that that 
really meant anything. But actually, that was the first time I'd actually dressed up properly and put a tiny bit of makeup on. Karen's summer of cricket was a little different that year. My son loves cricket, and for the first time ever, I got to go Saturdays and Sundays and sit on the sidelines with other gorgeous parents and watch him play. And um, that was just such a special thing. That's a positive, and, uh, and for my boy too. It frustrates the whatever out of me with this accessing of names, but we love watching sport together, which is beautiful. And so he'll just say to me at times, Mum, it's okay. You know, you don't have to worry about names. I can help you with names. So isn't that a nice relationship to have? And I've only actually just in this last year uh, or even less than that actually been able to say the word encephalitis. Uh, so that makes me laugh, but I can say that. So that's a positive thing. So that's you know, something I can tick off the list. Karen learned a few life hacks. She wrote a lot of stuff down, especially names. She connected with other people who'd had encephalitis and learned more about the condition. Medication helped control her anxiety. The nausea eased. But could her brain work well enough to go back on air? Would it let her get behind the mic for a live broadcast around the country. Karen still wasn't sure. So just wanting things to go right and you know keeping things to time and not being um, mistaking words or saying the wrong name. And I, so many things were just whirring around in my head. And the absolute fear I had, it was just very overwhelming. And I thought, I need to be able to prove to myself that I can go back on radio. Across Australia, you're tuned to ABC Grandstand. And thanks to Corbin, lovely to be back with you for this opening Saturday of Summer Grandstand 2021. Karen Ty with you, yes, October already. Where has this year so far gone? To all of you who've been in contact to say welcome back, thank you. Very appreciated. I can't work out quite where the last 19 months have gone. I'm just so glad that that first weekend happened, that first program went to air and we got off air okay. To anyone else out there listening who has or has had encephalitis, my thoughts are with you. You are not alone and something else I've dedicated to help out with. As always, we love to hear from you too. If you are in lockdown... My producer, she walked in and we had a giggle because there's a lot of bits of paper on my desk. Even colleagues that I'm going around the grounds to that I know and my name recall is better, but it's still not great. So what I've started to do is write all of their names down. It's simple. It's on a piece of paper, highlighted, and I guess get normal sticky tape and I stick it to the bottom of one of my computer screens there in the studio. My husband, now that things are so much better, he has actually been able to say to me, Karen, I went through a big period that I didn't think that you were going to ever be able to get back to work. Um, and But he never wanted to, to show me any negativity. And I've always had that amazing energy from him and my son, you know, right at home with me. And... I just say thank you to them so much because I know it was not easy. They just did their best and that's the strength of love. 
Karen now knows that during all that time in hospital, those days of being exhausted and anxious, that wasn't her brain fighting against her. It was her brain protecting her. It was on her side all along. She's also accepted that her brain may be helping her out on the memory front too. That some things, well, they may be best forgotten. Not being able to remember those first few days is probably a good thing um, because it's a lot of intensive testing and so on and it's probably a good thing that I, I can't remember that at all. These are aspects in my brain dealing with what's going on. It's something I've experienced in my life before because I lost my mum at a young age of cancer. I have so little memories of I just turned a few days after I turned 19, she passed, and I've, I've got so much blanked out of her funeral. I suppose it's made me think back then, I just wish I could grab those memories back. But maybe that's a way of your brain trying to help. So I, I always try and think positively, and I, I just think that's a positive thing, that even in retrospect, trying to think back Maybe the brain is just saying, you don't need to actually remember that. Let's, let's just go forward. It's funny, I've never really thought much about my body as such. I, and I've never really thought about my brain so much. But yes, I am proud. I, it kind of feels like a friend now. And I need to be caring and, you know, we're kind of walking hand in hand together. Yep, yeah, it's just positive now, step by step. And um, that's the way that I'm looking at life. Today's story was reported by James Viver. Thanks so much for listening to Days Like These. If you've got a story to share, please get in touch. You can send us a voice memo straight from your phone or an email to dayslikethese at abc.net.au. And if you haven't already, you can follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or your favourite podcast app so that you never miss an episode from us. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. We love to know what you think and it helps new people find the show. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. And today's episode was made on the lands of the Ngunnawal, Gadigal and Wiradjuri Woiwurrung people. Sound design and engineering on this episode by Matthew Crawford. The supervising producer was Ian Walker. Our producer is Tamar Cranswick. Our brilliant script editor is Sophie Townsend. Our executive producers are Ian Walker and Tom Wright. And our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. See you next time. Next week on Days Like These, the defining story of Aidan Jones's life happened before he was born. When his mum was in her 20s, she returns from a trip around South America 
only to realise that she's just fallen pregnant to her Colombian boyfriend. Aidan was the result, and he spent most of his life fielding questions on the topic. You know, oh, where are you from? Like, you got dark skin. And I knew the story that I was half Colombian. My mum told me when I was 10, but I guess I'd chosen to kind of half forget it. I didn't know what a, a Colombian was or a Venezuelan was. I had engaged the same level with, like, the particulars of Latin American culture as the society around me. That is, until he has some questions of his own and he heads out on a search that will bring him face-to-face with his real dad. That's coming up next week on Days Like These. 